Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Wildcat Playbook right here at Beyond the Big Ten. You can follow us at Beyond the Big Ten across all of your socials, where we go beyond the game with all of your favorite content with college football and also college basketball right around the corner. I'm Joy Christopoulos here to recap an Iowa 10-7 to win over our Wildcats. But first, let's bring in our host. He is former Bears defensive end, former Northwestern legend, West Ten Golf Club's very own and CHGO's very own Corey Wooten. Corey, how are you, man? Joey, doing good, doing good. It was it was a tough weekend uh, for both our Chicago teams, the Bears, <laughs> and Northwestern. Right, Northwestern, man, I, I thought they had it. And Joey, you called it. You called the tight one, not not much scoring in this, and it came down to the wire. I mean, at Wrigley Field, big stage. This was a big opportunity for Northwestern to maybe sneak one from from a talented Iowa team. You know, I know they haven't put up the numbers. Um, but defensively, I mean, they're, they're one of the best in the Big Ten. So this would have been a great win for them to sneak one, go to five wins, and then only need one out of their last three to, to make a bowl. So it's definitely a tough pill to swallow. But hats off to them. I mean, they, they played the whole game tough. Defensively, they came to play. Um, this seems like they're getting better and better. Obviously, you got to put up points. But Iowa, I mean, they've been pretty stingy defensively all year. So... I'm happy with Northwestern, man. They fought. They they uh, fought down to the wire. It was that block punt that was that was the determining factor in this game. Block punt. Special teams is so critical, right? And you look at Iowa side, 53 yarder to clinch the game. Northwestern block kick that turned into points. So that's how you got to capitalize on those situations. You can't allow that if you're Northwestern. That ultimately lost in the game. Yeah, attack on seven penalties, too, as well, and they just couldn't – Cats just couldn't catch a break. Uh, Corey, appreciate the shout-out. I did say there would only be one touchdown scored in the game. Uh, it was for the wrong team. Um, but, yeah, Cats lose Cats lose a really tough one um, on a day when they only allow 169 total yards of offense. They only put up 170 yards themselves of total offense. Uh, so, Corey, man, for, for the layman, for the football fan trying to make sense of this loss, you know, we knew this was going to be what they used to call a slobber knocker if you will. <laughs> um, and look, from my vantage point, it just looked like when the Cats had opportunities to make some throws, they just didn't execute in those moments. But from your vantage point, too, are, are, you, are you willing to give more praise to this talented Iowa defense, or are you more willing to say, you know, the execution level wasn't there offensively for the Cats? I think it's a combination, right? Hats off to Iowa. They, they played well defensively pretty much all season, right? They've, they've held their opponents – uh, to minimal scores this year. So hats off to them. They're a talented defense. They rally around the football. They create turnovers. They get sacks, pressures. Um, so I knew this would be a tough game for Northwestern, but I just kind of thought they'd maybe spread it out a little bit more. And we talked about some of those matchups, right, getting Hyman on a linebacker, uh, getting some of the guys in space. And we just didn't see them really capitalize on some of those opportunities. I thought that was the kind of difference maker, especially because Iowa, they have some talented linebackers, but usually they – they usually can't run with, with running backs. So I would have liked to exploit some of those Texas routes, some of those wheel routes by, you know, Hyman and company and Porter and some of those guys, creating some of those matchups, spreading them out, allowing them to run sideline to sideline. So I think that's how you beat an Iowa team. So hats off to them. They, they played well. But I think Northwestern, you know, if they could have made a couple more plays, this could have been a game they, they could have won, maybe had another touchdown in there. They just weren't able to execute offensively. Yeah, and unfortunately, you know, what I noticed from my seat, too, as well, is that I thought Cam Porter had some pretty decent runs throughout the game. They just couldn't sustain drives, right? It was 0-0 zero to zero at the half. Neither team had made it to the red zone until, I believe, the third quarter of the game. So, you know, it seemed like Northwestern 
was okay with shaking hands with the way that Iowa plays football and try to beat them at their own game. We saw a lot of Anthony Tyus in the game, you know, a guy that's supposed to be a little bit more of a bruiser. But I agree with you, Corey, man. We've seen the flashes of the speed. You know, they try to get the ball to A.J. Henning a little bit, but when you say a guy like Joseph Hyman, when I say a guy like A.J. Henning, it's just maybe that could have been the deciding factor in a game. But unfortunately, you know, uh, hats off to the Cats, right? They played them close. And look, we're, we're trying to take a broad view on this season, right? They do fall to four and five, but again, another really competitive game um, against a, you know a really you know a team that's now in the driver's seat of the Big Ten West. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The, the the biggest thing I look at when I look at the stat sheet, Joey, is when you rush the ball forty one times, you should definitely get over hundred yards. They only had eighty nine in the game, yeah. so. Yeah, so with, with with the sacks, I believe in the negative yardage. I think it ended up being 89 total. But the thing is, right, if you're running, rushing the ball 41 times, you should rush for at least 140, 150 yards, right? So they just weren't able to get things going, and I think that's the difference maker. That's why Iowa, you would have thought you would have liked some more play action off it, keep them off balance, but we just didn't see a lot of that. And, and, and that's in a game, 41 rush attempts. You just got to do better in that. And I think the special teams like we talked about, you cannot allow a block punt in that situation when you're backed up. You give them a short field, they're able to capitalize on that. That is the difference maker in the game. And that's why people sleep on special teams and say, but special teams, like I said earlier, that decided the game, right? That block kick and then a 53-yarder. And that's something we talked about. These kickers in college are getting better and better. Like back when I played, I feel like it was a 50-50 shot for a lot of these guys to hit you know, in, in uh, 55 yards and in, right? It was, it, was, it was hard for them. Nowadays, you're seeing guys that are hitting 50 yarders like it's nothing. So we're seeing quality in the kicking game, something that, we, that the game is growing and evolving, and they're seeing how critical that is to winning games, and that's why Iowa was able to capitalize that. So never sleep on the special teams. That, that is the decider in a lot of games. Look at the Bears when they had Devin Hester. Difference maker, right? It's special teams can make or break a game. So Northwestern, you just got to do a better job on that. Got to have your max protect. You can't allow that block. Yeah, and Corey Wooten scooping up uh, footballs, too, against Tennessee in the end zone on special teams, <laughs> too, as well. is always a nice, yeah. quick little plus. Uh, a couple more on just the game in hand, then we're going to look forward. Just play a little quick little good news, bad news. I'm going to start with the bad news first. I just want to get your perspective on the Cats um, at the goal line, fourth and one, you know, uh, first and goal on the one. Um, they're, they're literally pulling the ground up. They're digging a hole um, there at the goal line there. Which just, just your thought on the, the, the Cats failing to execute in that moment. Yeah, you've you got, you got to be able to get in the end zone on that. Like, got, got to. And uh, it's something they weren't able to do. So going forward in that situation, you've you, you got to be able to get in. got to make a play. got to be able to get it. And uh, they, they weren't. So in those situations, you have to capitalize, point blank. Um, so I think, I think that's something they got to do moving forward. Um, because the margin of error in, in these in these games is like this, right? Yeah, so you have all, to capitalize on every team. opportunity. Yeah. You got to capitalize on every, every opportunity because you win this game, you win one out of the last three, and then you make a bowl game after everything that's happened this off season. And just real quick, Corey, Nebraska lost; they fell to five and four. Wisconsin lost; they fell to five and four. I mean, it was all sitting there. Minnesota lost; they fell to five and four. It was all sitting there for the Cats all of a sudden to be tied. You know, only a game back from Iowa. I mean, it's 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 crazy how a college football season works out, especially this one particularly. But you look at it and you're saying, "Oh man, the math of it. This is this is the turning point a little bit." I, I know it seems like the West every year. I, I don't know, like it. 
they, they maybe need to change the way these conferences are because it does seem a little bit lopsided on one side. It, it well, really does. Penn, um, Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan all in the Michigan. East. And then we're yep. just banging and, heads on the West. It, exactly. So I, I think they got to split up one of those teams, you know, especially – it would be a lot better. You put you put uh, Michigan or Ohio State in in the West Conference, and then all of a sudden at the end of the year every year. But I don't know. Maybe maybe that's something they thought about. Like, hey, it's probably going to be them every year, or even move Penn State right potentially. So, I I, I don't know how ever, but they, they need to change it because every year it just seems a, a little lopsided. And yeah, Wisconsin a couple times won the West, but if you look at in general, I think the East is one majority of these Big Ten championships. So I think they need to restructure how, how they have everything. Um, I know when I was there, there was like a leaders and legends division, you know. Oh, yeah. But I think it was, I think it was kind of similar to the way it's set up now. But I, I just think they need to change it because it, they need to have some have some mis, mix mismatch with the different teams in the conference. So I would, I would like to see that going forward. I think it would make for better football because it seems like the West every year seems to be the weaker conference. And no knock on them, but if Wisconsin has an off year like now, then all of a sudden, really, who's who's vying to go against Michigan or Ohio State, right? So I think it is a little bit lopsided. Yeah, and look, the restructuring definitely is coming with the expansion of the Big Ten. And when you say Big Ten West, you have a USC coming over to the Big Ten all of a sudden, Oregon. now the West that makes you know, Oregon that makes a lot of sense that they probably just get added to that, added that mix. I mean, I think a restructuring is going to have to happen no matter what. Um, so Corey, after a game like this, you know the Cats lose a tough one at beautiful Wrigley Field. Everyone was super jacked up and juiced up to go to the game. They take a loss. Sometimes you got to walk outside, just got to get a breath of fresh air. And let's just walk down the street to a place I like to call Corey's Corner here. And this is the good news of the week. <laughs> let's go to Corey's okay. Corner, and I want to hear a little bit about the heater that Aiden Hubbard's on. Um, he had three sacks yeah. last week. He had another sack this week that's four in a row. I mean, is this, a, yeah. is this a flash in the pan? Talk to us a little bit about his game, what you like, and can he keep it going? Yeah, he's, he's really come on the past couple weeks um, with the pressures, the sacks, coming home, right? That's the biggest difference, right? Because people can come close, they can have the pressures, but the sacks are huge, right? Because it takes them out of, out of field range. It, it drives them back. Um, and then all of a sudden, it frees up some other guys. You saw some other guys able to come home. So what he's been able to do has been awesome. I love how active his hands are. He's constantly moving. You know, there was a couple that were covered sacks, but my thing is like this. Mm -hmm. It's constantly moving and, and evolving because a lot of times college players – they don't do the second and third moves, and that's usually what comes home. You look at like some of the best guys in the league, a guy like Max Crosby, uh, J Joey Bosa, uh, Nick Bosa. They're guys that are constantly moving to the ball, right? The first move's not there. Second move's not there. All right, let me hustle after and get that sack. All of a sudden, the, the coverage buys you a second. So it's all about that. And what I'm seeing is he's making great moves. The effort's in there. The second and third moves are there. So hopefully he can continue this going forward because he's really elevating this defense and they played well against Iowa. I mean, have, anytime you, you hold a team to 169 yards, that's a win all day. So you hold them to 10 points at that. And one was from that block kick, right, short field position. So in that situation, that's a game that Northwestern defense, they're, they're holding their head up high. Like, we played well enough to win this game. We played pretty lights out. So from the beginning of the season to where they are now, there's so much growth. So I think Cats fans everywhere – can be excited, right? Because this is a team that nobody expected to 
with everything going on last year, right? They won one game last year. So people were like, oh, they're lucky if they win a game this year. They already had four wins, and they had opportunity to win against Nebraska. They had opportunity to win against Iowa. So I think what they're doing, what Braun is able to do with them and, and, and keep them re-energized and ready to go each week, has, has been unbelievable. So, yes, there's been a lot going on, but I'm really proud of the way they've, they've put their best foot forward every week and played their hearts out. Speaking of putting the foot forward, uh, let's take a look at next week's game. So the remaining slate for the Cats right now to get to those six wins, they got Wisconsin in Wisconsin, they got Purdue, and then they got Illinois. So let's just stick with Wisconsin for right now. Uh, we're going to flip on over to Corey's keys to a victory against Wisconsin um, in Madison. Um, uh, Corey, I'll be honest with you, I was there um, working with some of our, our talented guys over at the uh, the Badgers podcast, Camp Randall Platoon, and just hanging around a lot of people in the building they, even a couple of weeks ago, were talking about Tanner Mordecai is doing everything that he can to get back yep. onto the field, the starting quarterback for the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, they haven't done anything or announced any news this week. We're taping this on a Monday. He might try and come back and play. Uh, Braylon Allen is also supposed to come back and play for Wisconsin. So uh, they might be back at full strength, Corey. So what is it going to take? Yep. What is the biggest key for the Cats to pick up a victory against Wisconsin and Madison this weekend? I, I think it, I think it starts with stopping the run. Yeah, it's something Wisconsin always does well, and Northwestern they played pretty well against the run the past couple of weeks. I know Minnesota early on in the season they really struggled, but it seems like they've kind of righted the ship defensively, right? They've been able to figure it out. They're getting pressure, something they didn't do early on, mm -hmm. which is awesome to see. So everything's starting to come together uh, defensively. I think they're playing exactly where they need to. They're causing turnovers back to back weeks with big picks. Um, I think it comes down to offensively, right? The, ne the next key. So obviously, first one is stop the run. Second key, offensively, is is be able to get that run game going. Because last week, 41 rush attempts, only 89 yards to total rushing yards. You you got to do better than that. That's a situation where if you're running the ball that much, you got to be in the 130, 140, 150. That many rushing attempts, and be able to work the play action. So that's that's what shows me Sullivan was only able to have 81 yards passing. It was because of that lack of the running game. The run sets up the pass, especially with Northwestern. The games they've done well, run and pass works together. So get that running game going. Those are the first two keys. You got you got a third, Joey? I mean, oh, look, we, we do it every single week, but we're coming up on six weeks uh, since the collarbone injury to Ben Bryant. Um, and, you know, In my opinion, if he doesn't make it probably back this week, I, I don't see how he makes it through the rest of the season. Um, but just to harken back to a lot of the keys that we've been talking about all season long, again, uh, when you're talking about a team, you know, I got a chance to see up close and personal Ricardo Hallman, the cornerback for Wisconsin. You know, so when we're talking about moving the football um, through the air, um, it could be it could be a little tough. Right. So, again, we have to get creative. Right. We have to at least try and find a moment where we can scheme up a screen pass to Joseph Hyman and see if we can execute in that moment. I want to see the ball as quickly into A.J. Henning's hands after the snap as possible. Just try and give them a couple of different looks. So, Corey, we can maybe get back to a little bit of that running style. And, again, I think a big part about it is going to be controlling the clock because I, if Braden Locke is the quarterback for Wisconsin, I don't know how I feel about that. I think the, the Cats can really compete in a game like that. So, I mean, I think those are just going to be the keys, man. I've been harping on it for a long time. But when the Cats do that offensively, they get dangerous. Yeah. They score more than 20, 24 points in a game, and they're in almost any game that they play uh, when they can strike in those offensive ways. Um, do you have a final score? Do they, do they pick up a win? It's going to be tough. 
I, I don't think in this one. I, I just yeah. I just think Wisconsin, especially if they have, if they have those guys back, uh, it's it's a tough game for Northwestern. And I feel like they're really deflated after last game because they're in Wrigley Field, big stage. They finally got the fan support that we haven't seen all season. They were ready to go. They thought they had the game. All of a sudden, they lost on a last-second field goal, pretty much. You know, um, so I think I think they're deflated. I think it's going to be tough. You know, they're they're playing at Wisconsin, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and Wisconsin's yeah, uh, Wisconsin's got like multiple decades worth of winning seasons, and they're five and four right now. So this is a game yeah. that they're like, we have to have this game. This isn't just like a oh Northwestern, no big deal. Like they're gonna be pissed off, in my opinion. Oh yeah, definitely. I, I think they're eager to, to be uh, bowl eligible with this week, and it's a tough place to play, right? They're jumping around. You you saw you saw it when you I went saw. over there. It, it it is one of the coolest traditions, honestly, in, in college football, right? There's yeah. There's the the chant, the the O H I O Ohio State. There's the the Penn State uh, one, um, you know, which which is unbelievable. We are Penn State, and then that one to jump around. It, it, it's awesome to see. Um, it's a tough place to play, a hostile environment. They usually love to bring the house defensively. So this is a game that I that I really worry about. But I think, you know, if, if I'm looking at it from an offensive perspective, right, I will screen and draw a team like Wisconsin all day because they like mm. to give you different looks. They love to give you blitzes. So I'm going to keep them off balance, right? We talked about Joseph Hyman. That's a guy that you get in the screen game. You get him some Texas routes. You get him one-on-one on that linebacker in space. You allow him to move. So I think that's they have to capitalize on those matchups. And that's what the really good teams do. You look at a team like Ohio State, right? They're able to capitalize on all their studs, right? A.J. Henning and Hyman, they have the type of juice of guys like Ohio State and Michigan. Henning came from Michigan. So those are guys that we, we're not used to seeing at Northwestern that are now there. you got to find ways to get them to rock. And I think if they can do that, keep this Wisconsin defense off balance with the screens and draws, quick step pass, get them uncomfortable, get them frustrated, and then all of a sudden spread them out a little bit more and get them off balance. Uh, we just got a couple minutes here left on Wildcat Playbook. Uh, I want to open it up to the rest of the college football landscape really quick. Let's just stick to the Big Ten, and then, Corey, whatever you want to get into, uh, feel free. Uh, but, I mean, Corey, man, we've been doing these shows. Uh, we do bear stuff all the time. We haven't really talked about this one yet, so I want to get your take on it personally. Um, I want to get your perspective um, on the sign-stealing scandal at Michigan. Um, what you, what we know, what has transpired, obviously there's a lot more to learn, whether we get sanctioned or not, we're going to find out. But my biggest question for you is, you know, do you feel like that the gripe is legit about this sign stealing scandal with Michigan and Jim Harbaugh? And if you're the Chicago bears, let's kick it to the NFL. Would you, would that scare you away from hiring Jim Harbaugh based on everything that's going on in the big 10? Yeah, I, I think I think it would. Um, I just got to see how everything unfolds, right? I got I got to see exactly everything, but it, but it is definitely concerning. You're like, come on, is this now what what the Patriots are doing at the college level? So my thing is like this: you you got to be honest. You got to play the game the right way. I think Michigan has enough talent where they don't need to do all that stuff. So I don't I don't know why. Um, my, my thing is this: play the game, right? Go off the tape that you have. Put your best foot forward i just hate all this you know oh we're stealing their signs we're we're videoing them during practice like the patriots did play football out there right that's that's what it is integrity honesty like that old-fashioned stuff so i i just think that 
it, it'd be tough for for the Bears to go with him. Maybe they maybe they would. Maybe maybe they'll they just want to figure out their quarterback situation. Because look at Jim Harbaugh did with Colin Kaepernick, right? He's playing the best football he ever did under him. Um, maybe they're thinking, hey, Justin Fields, he's a guy that we can keep for the next year. You know, have another year for him to prove what he can do, and then all of a sudden we we have another option. Um, but you know, if I'm the Bears. I'm I'm, ex- I'm extending I'm extending that that fifth year option and I'm I'm gonna give Justin Fields two years to, to figure this out right I'm gonna build around him um, because people are saying oh you should draft Caleb Williams and all this my thing is like this you're gonna you're gonna draft another quarterback and then you're not gonna address another position at need like the offensive line the left tackle uh, defensive end uh, three technique. That's how you win championships in this league, Joey. And we talk about it on our other podcast uh, that we cover for the Bears. San Francisco, Philly, right? Dallas, they're one of the top teams in the league. Why? Because of their trenches. And that's how you win championships. So I think I think that's kind of the recipe for success. You look at the really good teams in the Big Ten. You look at Michigan. You look at Ohio State. You look at Penn State. Where, where do they kill people? In the trenches. Yep. And that's how you win championships. It doesn't matter at what level, whether it's high school, whether it's college, whether it's the pros. The trenches win it. Obviously, you need talent all around. But I think... You look at, I brought up this example with the Giants in 07 and 11 against Tom Brady. Tom Brady killers, right? Low-scoring games. Eli gets the MVP. You know who should have been the MVP? Justin Tuck. Um, Jason Pierre-Paul. Guys like that. The defensive line. But obviously they're going to give it to the quarterback. But the, the, the whole thing is, yeah, the defense, defensive line won those championships for them. Von Miller, uh, the Legion of Boom, you know, with Cliff Averill and, and Michael Bennett. Those are guys that win championships. And I think that's just the recipe. And in college football, the teams that are at the top, top 10, usually have the best offensive defensive lines. And that's like a team like Colorado. They have a lot of skill position talent, but what their line and D-line isn't up to par, right? It's going to take them a couple years, but that's uh-huh. the difference. That's why they're not able to close those games because of that. Corey, you know, uh, God, you're so right, man. We've talked about this for a long time. I'm glad we're talking about on the Wildcat Playbook here just really quick because, man, for, just from my perspective, just working in the sports world the last five years, um, it is so sexy. It's so easy to always want – and I do it. I talk about the quarterback all the time. I talk about offense. I talk about can they score? Can they keep up with – you know, can they give high-octane explosive plays? And every single year without fail, whether it's the college football playoff or whether it is the Super Bowl, when it gets down to it, the days leading up to it, it always comes back to defensive line versus offensive line mm-hmm. and who is going to win. It's not sexy, but when it comes down to it, the very, very, very end, that's when you end up yep. seeing. And that's why I, a big part of Georgia winning national titles is those lines as more as it is Stetson Bennett, right? Stetson Bennett is a backup on the Rams right now. It is the, that, those front lines right there. And, man, it makes such a difference every single season without a doubt. Um, it's a fundamental that you can't run away from no matter how many clicks it does or does not exactly. get. Uh, Corey, what, yeah. else from the college, what else from the college football weekend real quick before we go? Yeah, so so USC that that was a big loss for them, and I, I kind of wonder what Caleb Williams is going to do going forward. If I'm if I'm him, honestly, I'll probably sit out the rest of the season. Really, you know, I think there's no point in him playing at this point. Like they're not going for a national title, they're not going for the Pac-12 championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I think if I'm him, I sit out. Right, like you're always one injury away from something affecting you. And what does he have to play at this point? Four. Nothing like he's going to be the number one, number two overall pick, whatever it is. But um, if I'm him, I, I, I'd sit out. Like I, I, I think you got to weigh the, the pros and cons and see. But what is he gaining at this point? 
He's not going to elevate his draft stock, right? I think the only thing that can happen is he gets hurt. And is it fair to say something. maybe maybe we haven't heard a lot from him? Do you think him being really emotional after that loss had more to do with maybe the fact that he he's thinking about what exactly what you're talking about right now? You know what I mean? Like I, I maybe so this is sure. the last time. This is my last. Maybe this is my last college football game. If I go out and I beat Washington, I, I, maybe I stick around. But I lost. Now I got to think about yep. my future. You know? Exactly. I, I think that's what that was. Like this is probably my last game. I think he probably talked with his family, whoever his agent is, if he has one, and it's probably like, listen, this is your last game. You beat Washington. We'll continue to play. If not, we're out. So I, I, I think it'd be it. smart, Joey, for him. Like, because like I said, he's not going to improve his draft position. And all, all of a sudden, you know, he gets rolled up. Somebody comes and hits him from the side, and you just don't want any of that. So if I'm him, I'm shutting it down. I'm waiting until the, the combine or my pro day. I'm not playing in any other games or anything like that. He's, he's underclassman anyway, so it doesn't matter. But if I'm him, I'm just waiting until the, the combine and draft. I think that's the smartest thing uh, to do. Definitely watched that game. Uh, wanted to check out Caleb. Also, man – Am I, look, can you can you set the record straight for me? I'm getting so many different polarizing opinions on Michael Penix, dude. I like him. I get it. He's 24. I, like I get it. He hasn't finished the season healthy, but man, just like his footwork, the way he just is so like calm and balanced. He's a second, third read guy. His yeah. delivery looks like Steve Young. Like, what am I missing with this guy? I'm not saying he's the number one pick yeah. in the draft, but man. I've, I've liked him for a while, and everyone else keeps saying that he's not among the best. What is up with that? I, I, I liked him when he was at Indiana, right, when I worked for the Big Ten Network and we covered him. He was a guy that was super explosive. He's had a couple you know, knee injuries, so he doesn't run as much, but yeah. super explosive, had a cannon of an arm. And I'm like, this guy is legit, and banged up a couple times and then transferred to Washington. And it seemed like that just really elevated his game. You know, he got with a great offensive coordinator. He started to be confident. I love his demeanor in the pocket. He's a winner, right? At the end of the day, uh, that's what you love. I love the throws he makes, um, makes great decisions. You know, I know he threw a couple picks last game. But for the most part, in big crunch time games, he finds a way to get it done, leads them to game-winning drives. I looked at, you know, that USC game, uh, you know, you look at uh, – Oregon game when he played Bo Nix head-to-head against him, um, played really well, led him to a game-winning drive. So I think he's a proven winner. So if I'm a team that's needing a quarterback, um, I'm going to pull the trigger on him. You know, I, I, I think um, obviously I don't think he's going to be the first quarterback pick, but I think he'll probably be maybe the fourth, maybe third or fourth quarterback, potentially if, if how well he finishes the season. Yeah, and then Bo Nix and J.J., yeah, Bo and J.J., how that like sorts out, right? Exactly. I, I, I like uh, Michael Penix over Bo Nix, uh, but, you know, I think a lot of people are hesitant on him. Um, but I, I think he's a good prospect. Like, he's a proven winner. Um, he has the track record. Like, he can throw the ball. He can sling that thing. Like, I, I don't know why everybody's so iffy about him. Yeah, it's not it's not flashy, man. And look, I get it. He's probably not this top shelf elite guy when we're looking all the time for the next Trevor Lawrence. But when you're talking about, like, I don't know, he just kind of seems cut from the – Russell Wilson, Ben Roethlisberger. I'll even throw maybe old a little Jack Prescott. Right? <laughs> yeah, old. Oh yeah, old Russell Wilson. Maybe nothing flashy, but like really smart. Know knows how to deliver the ball. Knows how to handle the pocket, and just goes out exactly. there and kind of carves you up a little bit. Like I don't know if you win a Super yep. Bowl with the guy, but like he can make a couple of Pro Bowls. I don't know. I'm just keep Mark watching. Mark Brunel, like, Mark Brunel out there, right? It's another great one. 
lefty. Yeah, no. Nah. The Louie. No, I, le, le, lefties are the best because when they when they when they throw that ball and they flick that thing, it just looks so smooth. So it's he seems like a great guy. Uh, character is there. Lead, leadership is there. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think he has everything it takes to to be a talented pro. Um, so I think. You know, if I'm a team that that maybe needs somebody, and and maybe I could sit him for a year, or if I need him to play, you could do that. So I, uh, I think I think I think some team's going to be really happy with him because um, I, I think he's a proven winner. And people go about talent and 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 potential and all this stuff, but sometimes we know with the quarterback position, sometimes it's all about you know your track record, your experience, and all that. And and when they talk about what the Bears did back with Mitch Trubisky. If I could do it over again, I would have said Deshaun Watson. Like, he was the most proven guy out there day one. And I think, you know, a guy like Michael Penix is, is a guy that's proven himself, and he's a winner. And that's what you want. You want guys that are winners out there because I think, I think it does translate. I would, I would rather, I'd rather take a guy like Michael Penix than take a chance on a prospect that's boom or bust. I would. And look, man, look, there's a couple of teams right now that are kind of, you know, hanging around the playoff situation that might not be insanely jazzed about their quarterback heading into next year. And you look at a team like, oh, I don't know, the Vikings, the Steelers, the Jets, these teams that are going to be competing for playoff spots that might not get there, that are sitting there in that 18 to 24 range that can maybe take a Michael Penix. I mean, it's it's an interesting thing. We got to get out of here, though. This is the Wildcat Playbook. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, follow Corey Wooten at Corey Wooten, two O's, two T's. Get it right. You can follow me at Joey Sports Guy. Follow us at Beyond the Big Ten. We are your new spot for all fantastic college football and college basketball content all season long. And, oh, yeah, also we go beyond the game. Thank you so much for tuning in. Corey, man, take us home on a great episode. Let's see if the Cats can do it. Yeah. Otherwise, we still got two, two juicy, favorable games to still get to a bowl before it's all said and done. Yeah, another great pod. Close game, down to the wire. Um, hats off to Northwestern, man. They they played their hearts out, and that's why it's so critical, Joey. The special teams and every play matters in a game. That's why you have to be able to capitalize on your opportunities. Northwestern's got to get that kick out there, give them a longer field, and I ultimately think they win that game. But hats off to Iowa, man. They played well. Um, great atmosphere. I went to the game in 2011 when um, Northwestern played uh, Illinois, and and uh, Who's the running back? Absolutely destroyed him. Mikhail LaShore. Oh, my God. He oh, my God. 300 yards. Yeah, he, oh he, he he went absolutely insane. So it was a better performance from Northwestern. And I'm really proud of this team, Joey, because, you know, everything going on with, with the offseason and all they've had to deal with. And now they're, they're starting to play, especially defensively, some really good football, right? Offensively, it's been up and down. But I think that's the mark of, of, a, of a well-coached team. Braun has done a, done a great job rallying the troops. Um, it's going to be interesting to see, like, after the season, how they evaluate him going forward. Like, if they're like, hey, we feel confident with him as the coordinator or they feel confident as him as the head coach. Because if I'm Northwestern personally, like, I love what he's been able to do, but I need to get a guy as a head coach, right, a proven guy that's a great recruiter, that's an offensive guru. And I wouldn't mind keeping Braun as the defensive side because I feel like he's done enough to show, like, hey, the guys are playing for me. Defensively, they're playing well these past couple weeks. So maybe they can retain him. Um, but I, I ultimately think, Joey, if they're going to take the next step after all this scandal that's happened, it's it's got to be a proven guy, a great recruiter to take them to the next step. So hopefully they can do that. And going forward, if they can win six games this season, Joey, awesome. So Wisconsin, who knows, maybe they'll shock the world. But then you got Purdue and Illinois to finish. So 
If they can go bowling, that would be a huge accomplishment. Hats off that, that to the team after only winning one game last year. So we'll, we'll break it down, the Wisconsin game. Hopefully, hopefully there will be a lot to talk about and hopefully a win, a lot of great things. Hopefully they'll get the offense going. Uh, looking forward to it. But it's been an awesome year in the Big Ten. It's been a lot of fun doing this podcast. Appreciate you guys listening and tuning in. Love to hear your feedback, your comments on Twitter, Instagram. Um, you know, if there's anything you guys want us to talk about or, or dive into, um, we'd love to talk about that as well. So appreciate you guys and, and uh, tune in next week. Go Cats.